0: this is a sound that occurs in my life a lot it's the sound of me hiking and because i hike a lot there are often times when i need to pee in the woods which raises a question of logistics i could bring along toilet paper but i don't want to have to pack it out and i also don't like to drip dry enter kula cloth kula cloth is a high-tech pee cloth it's made with antimicrobial fabric and it has a waterproof backing, so you don't get your fingers wet. You can use it in lieu of toilet paper anytime you're out on an adventure. Kula Cloth is one of our sponsors, and they have a special deal just for you. You can get 15% off your order by going to outtherepodcast.com/kuula and entering the promo code OutTherePodcast15. Again, that's outtherepodcast.com slash K-U-L-A, promo code OUTTHEREPODCAST15. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. Okay, to start things off today, who's up for a challenge? I don't know about you, but I think challenges are a fun way to motivate myself. They're a way to get myself doing things that I find meaningful. The challenge I'm proposing today is this. I'd like to ask you to share out there with your friends. At the end of the year, I'll tally up how many referrals everyone has. The person with the most referrals will get a chance to be interviewed by the out there team. And we'll make a personalized audio story for you based on that interview. It's super easy to get in on the fun. Just go to outtherepodcast.com slash share to sign up for your own personal referral link, which you can share with your friends. When your friends click the link and listen to Out There, you'll automatically be in the running for this challenge. If you already have a referral link, just keep using that and all your past referrals will count toward this challenge. Again, the person with the most referrals by December 31st wins a custom-made story from us. Go to outtherepodcast.com slash share or click the link in the show notes to get started. That's outtherepodcast.com slash share. I think this is going to be really fun. One other announcement, we have a brand new line of Out There merch. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, even decorative throw pillows. And in addition to our regular logo wear, we have a gorgeous new design by Wyoming artist Ashley Quick. It's beautiful and fun, and I think you're going to really love it. Check it all out at outtherepodcast.com. Just click on the merch tab. Again, that's outtherepodcast.com. And now, on to our story for today. Imagine the bones growing in your body. Now imagine they're like glass. They break every time you fall, and they grow in twisted ways because of tumors. Every year, you have to have surgery to remove the tumors. This was childhood for Will Cox. Because he was so fragile, he grew up fearful, fearful of injury, fearful of the outside world and this fear became overpowering it started to control his life that was probably the way his future would have played out had it not been for a mountain bike tanya chavla has the story and trigger warning this story discusses depression and suicidal thoughts there's also some adult language
1: So as to date, I am 24 years old, and I think I've had some 30-odd surgeries. I've had surgeries from head to toe on my ankles, my knees, my hip, my shoulders, even a couple on my chest.
2: That's Will Cox. Will has a rare genetic bone disorder called osteochondromatosis. Picture the area where two bones meet. That's called a growth plate. And Will's growth plates develop these tumors. Non-cancerous, but still tumors.
1: And that causes your bones to grow in sort of weird, twisted ways. Like, my arms are kind of weird. My shoulders and my hips don't have like quite the motion that an average person would have. And this disorder, the only way that you can treat it effectively is to have the tumors removed. So that just means a whole bunch of surgeries.
2: Along with all the surgeries, when Will was a kid, his bones were also unusually fragile.
1: I've broken both my legs at least twice, and then both my arms five or six times. If a slide was too vertical, I wouldn't do that kind of slide. If I fell off the monkey bar, then I I would I would just break both my legs and then an arm too or something. There's this one time I was in a radio shack and I was just walking around in the radio shack with my dad and I just tripped and fell and boom, broke both the bones that time too.
2: It was a rough childhood. A childhood full of trips to the hospital and medications both for his bone disorder and for ADHD. And all of that made it hard for him to do the things that other kids were doing.
1: Other kids were playing, you know, starting to play sports, but I never did anything. I didn't really like play soccer, even just go on a run, jog, you know, simple stuff. And there was one time where I wanted to actually try playing soccer. And uh, it's just kids playing soccer. You don't actually have to be good, but I guess I was worse enough that they wouldn't even let me be part of the team in a sense they just sort of let me on the sidelines right gave me a pair of binoculars and said uh tell the goalie when the ball's getting close to him at first i honestly kind of got into it because i thought i was helping out the team but then i realized what i was doing was pointless because the goalie can see the ball like that's all he's doing is watching the ball what am i doing just sitting over there looking pretty Eventually, it did dawn on me that what I was doing was just worthless. And I kind of just put the binoculars down and just sat in the corner there.
2: We've all been there, being young and wanting to do what all the other kids are doing. But Will wasn't given the chance, and that shattered his confidence. That experience on the soccer field made Will turn his back on the outdoors. He already knew the outdoors could hurt him. He'd broken bones just tripping on a rock. And now a kid's soccer game left him feeling lonely and isolated.
1: It definitely made me see the world as a really dangerous, scary, evil place. And uh, made me wanna kinda just be inside and do not much. (laughs) I was not very strong. I was not very durable. So it just sort of made me see threats everywhere. So a lot of my free time was spent inside playing video games, building Legos.
2: As Will got older, his fear took on a mind of its own and started making decisions for him. Here's a story from when he was in high school.
1: Me and my friends were going to a beach in Santa Cruz and there's this beach where you can walk all the way along the beach to where it's sort of like a stone wall, and you can climb up the stone wall and just keep going onto the other side of the beach, basically. But it's really high, and to climb up to the top, you have to sort of like be on the side of the cliff and hold on to this um, rope that people have nailed into the side of the, the rock. So it's, it's pretty terrifying because you fall off you fall into the ocean into the rocks below i'm pretty sure even someone more durable than me would not be okay so everybody everyone single one of my friends went to the top of the damn thing except me and I, I i was too afraid to actually get up to the top they were like oh no dude it's all good you know it's like it's just a, a stupid hike or whatever right just didn't seem afraid and I just felt filled with fear like I couldn't move
2: this was more than just a fear of heights it was a fear of injury it was fear of breaking his bones again and the result was that Will was left out again but this time it wasn't other people who were holding him back it was his fear
1: Fear isn't like a tangible thing, you know, you can't touch it, you can't see it, you can't smell it. So you think that you can get some kind of grip on it, right? Like you can, if you're afraid, you can take a deep breath or, or something. And then that feeling's going to just subside or you'll, you'll have some kind of control. But the, the reality of the situation is you just kind of feel afraid and it, you just get stuck in that feeling, you know?
2: Will's fear touched almost every corner of his life, even things unrelated to his condition.
1: I mean, when I was a kid, I was kind of just afraid, like, all the time. Like, I know that sounds harsh, but have you ever seen a mosquito eater? It, It looks just like a giant mosquito. And the name is pretty apt to what they do. They just eat mosquitoes. All my life, I've been terrified of these things. They're just, they're awful.
2: Will was also afraid to talk to people. He always had a lot of social anxiety.
1: I've kind of always been really introverted, you know, like large crowds make me nervous and all that shit, loud noises and all that stuff, no good. Growing up, I didn't necessarily go to a lot of those like school social events, those dances and shit like that. I I just stay home, do homework. So it it was sort of my inability to connect with people. You know, like, uh, I had such a different life experience and such a different point of view that when I would converse with people, it wouldn't click. You know what I mean? I was way too serious, honestly. I just, that, that weird kid who just couldn't seem to enjoy life. My mortality was kind of just way too... I was way too aware of it.
2: As Will got older, the fear morphed into depression. A crippling depression. Depression so bad that he checked himself into a mental hospital. After getting out, he started college, hoping that change would help. But it didn't. And eventually he dropped out.
1: I got really depressed about the whole thing. Like, I felt like... It was kind of an unsolvable problem, and when you get depressed, it's kind of hard to see anything else than just the uh, the shit. I thought that that, that was just going to be what life was taking drug taking the the medication, doing things I didn't want to do, a fucking black hole of of nothingness. It was just it was getting to the point where I didn't feel safe around myself, and it turned into me being pretty darn suicidal.
2: Things came to a head one day when he was on his lunch break from work.
1: It was the stupidest fucking thing. I was going getting lunch at Jack in the Box and the, the cashier, the person who hands you your food, forgot the honey mustard for my chicken nuggets. And that was the start of just total awfulness because I I was already kind of having a bad day and food is kind of a weird thing with me the ADHD medication really messes with your appetite, it really just makes you not want to eat I'm super super picky, I need things to be kind of the way that they need to be, otherwise I just can't eat it so not having honey mustard was a big no no I just kind of had like a a, a really bad panic attack in the parking lot and it was on my lunch break right so my 30 minute lunch break eventually came to 45 minutes and then to an hour so my boss came looking for me because he's like "What, what you know what the fuck's going on and I was just like in the car crying and uh I think I went to the mental hospital like a couple hours after that
2: This was the second time Will had admitted himself into a mental hospital. And it was here that he hit rock bottom.
1: My lowest point was probably like after that, sitting in my room, my fear and depression and all that shit was just too much. This is going to sound awful, but I feel like rock bottom is kind of necessary. When you're spiraling out of control, you got to eventually hit rock bottom because... If you don't, then it's just going to keep going. And once you hit that rock bottom, that's where you can find the strength to actually go all all the way up. So at that moment, I decided that since I've, you know, gone to so many other people, hospitals, and, you know, got ideas from other people and all that shit, that I was just going to take total control of my life because getting, you know, advice and help from other people just wasn't working. So I stopped taking all of the uh, the medication, stopped going to the, uh, the doctor's appointment, stopped having surgeries, just sort of started doing more normal things, I guess.
2: Okay, so reality check this was pretty radical but it wasn't quite as far out as it sounds as for the surgeries will was fully grown by now and when you stop growing the tumors in your growth plates stop growing too so it wasn't that risky to stop having more surgeries and in terms of going off of his medication will admits going cold turkey is not the best he experienced withdrawals life became a lot harder his depression got heavier it's like a faucet that hasn't been opened for ages. When it's opened for the first time in a long time, it speeds out guck. The water's dirty, it's gross. But give it some time and the water starts gushing out, clear. This was Will's guck. Yes, it was tough. Will was feeling all sorts of raw emotions. But something inside of him was telling him that he was moving in a better direction. He was moving towards clear water.
0: Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear the rest of the story in a moment. But first, one of the things I've been trying to do lately is be intentional about the things I buy. Whenever possible, I want the stuff I purchase to be eco-friendly but sustainable shopping is often easier said than done. Doing the research takes time and let's face it, I would rather be out hiking or biking than combing the internet to figure out which brands are easy on the environment. This is where a company called Tentree comes in. Tentree is one of our sponsors for this episode and they are a great place to find all sorts of essentials that are guaranteed to be earth friendly. They sell clothing, activewear, outerwear, underwear, and more. And they plant 10 trees with every item purchased. To learn more about Ten Trees' planting mission and grab some comfy, sustainable clothing, go to tentree.com. Use the promo code OUTTHERE to get 15% off your first order. That's T E N TREE.com, promo code OUTTHERE. And now, back to the story.
1: The first time I remember doing something like normal in a sense, right? It was me going with uh, my group of friends to the uh, this bonfire.
2: And there was beer at this bonfire. And alcohol was one of the many things that Will was afraid of. He thought...
1: A sip of a beer would, you know, like the liquid would start melting my throat and i just die. Convulsive seizure right there.
2: But he was tired of his fear.
1: I feel like at a certain point, you just kind of get sick of being afraid, you know? Like, it's it's not fun. You just sit there and you, you feel bad, and then you don't get to do the fun things that other people are doing. So you just kind of get fed up with not doing nothing, and then you do something. And sometimes it might be too rash, but oftentimes it's kind of like that, the push you need to break the threshold or whatever.
2: So he had his first sip of beer at this bonfire and lo and behold, the beer did not cause any convulsive seizures.
1: Yeah. So I started doing more normal things. Like, Hanging out with friends, staying out late, doing typical teenager kind of things, and um, I feel like that that really helped me. You know, like it made me feel like I wasn't so different from everybody else. Because once you start facing your fears, it, it just it's like dominoes. It it all becomes easier. Like that one fear, it's like oh yeah, I did that. Maybe I could do this, and then. You know, then you start moving on to the big fears.
2: The big fears, like getting seriously injured, participating in outdoor activities. For Will, tackling this big fear started with a neighbor, a neighbor who mountain biked, Chris.
1: He was a a amazing mountain biker. It was like he could do the stuff TV people do. And it really inspire me, like I wanted to be able to do what he did. You know, I've always been able to ride a bike, but he, you know, he makes it look like it's art.
2: Now, mountain biking is an inherently dangerous sport. Even people who are perfectly healthy can get seriously injured doing it. But Will was on a yes streak.
1: Being off the, the medication and doing more things that I wanted to do, I decided that I was going to try to bike more, just because I wanted to hang out with Chris, honestly. So I bought a bike from him, and we just kind of went around doing bike stuff, like bike around the town, and you know, he'd honestly just show off, and I'd sit there drooling. I'd be like, oh my God.
2: Will was scared at the beginning, but something about watching Chris mountain bike was captivating. He wanted to push himself. He wanted to get better. One day, he went to a bike festival with Chris and tried out an e-bike, an electric bicycle. You still pedal, but there's a motor to help you out.
1: And the motor on it made you be able to, you know, you could be 300 freaking pounds and bike straight up a uh, a 20% incline 20 miles an hour. It made me be able to keep up with my really skilled friends pretty much my whole life. I've just been the last picked for the team, you know what I mean? So being around people who were always first picked for the team and not being last picked, like being part of the group, was pretty self-fulfilling. It made me want to get more physically fit so that I could actually keep up on no motor required.
2: So he started practicing.
1: I took my little dirt jumper and I just started to practice riding the uh, little two-mile stretch of road from my house to this little viewpoint. At first, it was it was grueling. Like first hundred feet, I'd be pouring sweat on the ground, panting, wanting to die. And it ended up like that for like the first couple times, and then eventually you you get strong enough to uh, set little goals. Right, I try to bike all the way to this big old boulder without getting off the bike. And, uh, you know, eventually you get halfway to the boulder, get all the way to the boulder, you get a little past. And eventually I got to biking all the way to the viewpoint without getting off the bike. So it just kind of, it adds up. You, You do half a mile and half a mile turns into a mile and mile turns into two and two turns into three.
2: Will kept biking kept going farther and farther. But his fear of serious injury hadn't gone away. And then something happened, something that changed everything he knew about that fear.
1: I was biking at UCSC pretty fast, following my friend. We were towards the end of the trail, and there was a rut in the trail where the water had eaten it out. I saw it coming up. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be weird," and I had a choice to either, you know, get off the bike, not hit that feature, or ride through. And I decided, you know, I'm gonna ride through. I don't know if you know, but when you ride over ruts, you're supposed to lean back as to not have too much weight over the front handlebars. I did not know this. So I, I had too much weight on my yeah. front handlebars and my wheel dug into that that little rut. I flew over the handlebars. I I thought like as I was falling, mid-fall, I was, I was sure that I was going to have to have like an airlift out of there or my leg was going to be broken. Something was just going to be not good.
2: Will hits the ground.
1: I think I sat there for like a good 30 seconds, just kind of laying on the ground, just like what, what's going on? It's all good? This is it?
2: So pause. Here's a kid who broke his leg at a radio shack. And now he's just had his bike land on top of him after a 360 and he's fine? No broken bones? Yeah. Yeah, no broken bones. Will still doesn't know why he escaped that accident unharmed. But the upshot was that he was fine.
1: It's certainly a moment that I conquered my fear. You know, going into it like I saw that rut and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is going to be interesting. What's going to happen?" But fear, it's weird. You're afraid, you're afraid, you're afraid. But then you do it and it doesn't you don't get hurt. You're like, oh, shit, that's that's pretty cool. And then it kind of slowly turns into excitement. So how far can you push that? Within that year, I started riding, you know, 5, 10, 20, started, you know, pushing 30 miles. My parents are fitter than me, and there are numbers that could, you know, impress them. It felt good. It made me feel like I was... Part of the crew, you know, worthy.
2: The accident didn't just help Will conquer his fear. It paved the way for changing his life.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a systemic change. I started eating better, started being more healthy. Just being, being able to do things that I didn't think I could do made me more confident in other aspects of my life. After that, like, I I strike up conversations with people at the store. I would you know, talk with my barista and all that shit, like, stuff that I would just never do before. I'm no longer afraid of mosquito eaters. Since falling off the bike wasn't very scary anymore, then um, all the bugs and the, the, you know, the scary people and things that just generally terrified me just didn't do that anymore.
2: Will was starting to feel normal.
1: Like, I I hate that word because it's there's no such thing as normal, but it it made me feel included, definitely happier. I was doing things that I wanted to do and I didn't, you know, there's challenges in everything you do, but these challenges weren't like defeating me. You know, they weren't just totally awful. You know, I, I didn't just go in, lose, lose, lose. I was going in, I may lose once or twice, but eventually I would actually get it done. I'd win so gave me a sense of hope nowadays i spend probably like 90 if not almost all my time all my free time outdoors biking hiking climbing doing all kinds of stuff i'm even trying to work my professional life into my hobbies like find a way to bike and get paid or something like that.
2: Now of course Will's condition hasn't gone away. He's left sore. He needs to rest more than other people. He has these bumps and lumps all over his body. He hasn't broken any bones yet but he has torn his ACL and he's still aware of his own mortality. But his fear isn't limiting him anymore. That's the difference.
1: Before I wanted to probably spend every day of my life inside until I die, and now I, I can't I can't even like I can't even wrap my head around that thought. That's just like crazy. Being on a bike, it's like an expression of, of human freedom, you know? Like when when I'm on the bike, it's it's like I'm sitting at an easel or something, you know, it's, I'm, it's, it's, my bike is my paintbrush and the, the trails are my canvas.
0: That story was reported and written by Tanya Chavla. Tanya is one of our most recent production interns. She's a sophomore at UC Berkeley. Editorial assistance for this story from Malat Amha. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Go to outtherepodcast.com slash share to sign up for your personal referral link. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Whoever has the most referrals by the end of 2021 will get a custom-made story from us. And in the meantime, there are lots of different rewards you can earn along the way. Get in on the fun by going to outtherepodcast.com/share or just click the link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you also to all of our financial supporters, including Sam Shapinsky, Phil Tim, Doug Frick, Tara Jocelyn, and Deb and Vince Garcia. I'm so grateful for your generosity. If you're not yet supporting the show and you would like to, you can become a patron for as little as $2 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast. That's patreo dot com slash outtherepodcast, and I have a link to that in the show notes as well. If you're new to Out There, check out the Best of Out There playlist. This is a collection of some of our favorite episodes of all time, and it's a great introduction to the range of stories we do on the show. You can find Best of Out There on Spotify and at our website, outtherepodcast.com. That's it for this episode. Our Advertising Manager is Jessica Taylor. Our Audience Growth Director is Sheba Joseph. Kara Schaefer is our print content coordinator. Our interns are Milat Amha and Tanya Chavla. Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. We'll see you in two weeks.